This is the Day in the Life podcast. Listen to fascinating conversations with employers from a range of industry sectors. Learn about who they are, what they do, what their career journey looks like and how they got there. The highs and lows and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to the Day in the Life podcast. I'm Raghu, a current mechanical engineering student. And our guest today is Cole Needham, the founder and CEO of IMDB, the Internet Movie Database. Believe it or not, Cole is one of the Leeds University alumni. So hi Cole, would you please tell us about yourself and your background? What did you study in Leeds? Hello. All right, so let me see. So I was at Leeds University from 1985 to 1988, and I studied computer science. Back in the days when computers were huge... Uh, and 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 couldn't really do anything like the kind of things that they can do today. So it it kind of like I I almost I almost equate it to being the um, Stone Age <laughs> of computing. And and actually over the years I've been very fortunate to to go back and uh, visit the old department and speak to current students. And and I, I think I think back to what things were like in the 1980s and uh, what they're like now and there's just there's just no comparison in terms of the things that technology can do these days so that's a little bit about what I studied uh, when I was at Leeds I currently live in Bristol in the southwest of England where I live with my wife we have two children but they're grown up and uh, 29 years old and a little fun fact I met my wife in sixth form college so we started dating in the summer before I started Leeds. And so I'd already decided to go to Leeds University. She was on a teacher training course at Edge Hill College in Ormskirk. And so we managed to do the long distance relationship thing. Um, uh, very heavy users of the National Express bus route that ran and, and probably still does run between Liverpool and Hull. And we made sure we saw each other um, every single weekend for all of the three years that I was at Leeds and all of the four years that she was at Edge Hill in Ormskirk. So kind of like fond memories, fond memories of that. We got married the year after the year after I graduated, which was the year she graduated. I'm based in Bristol and we've been in Bristol since 1988. When I graduated, I had a job lined up at Hewlett Packard, HP Labs here in Bristol. Only, I, I'm a little bit, little bit funny, um, only like about a mile from where I'm standing today. So we've, we've lived in various places all around Bristol. So it's kind of funny that we're back one mile away from where my first office was back in Bristol in 1988. So I guess that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's the, the non-work background <laughs> for me. Yeah, that's very interesting. And what a coincidence it is, living just one mile away from your first office. So what was the University of Leeds like back in the day? And what plans did you have? Right. Okay. Well, so so going to university was definitely an adventure in the the days before the days before gap years. <laughs> so so having having finished my A levels in the summer of eighty five, arrived in arrived in a, a sunny Leeds. Actually, I my my early days are reminded 
this reminds me that my my first my first couple of weeks, even though it was kind of like October of eighty five, it was actually nice weather. Lived at Lupton Flats in the first year, and first time away from home, and I just felt really at home in Leeds, made uh, good friends on the course itself, several of whom I'm still in touch with today, made good friends with the people I live with, whom I'm also in touch with today as well. So kind of like a, a, a really key kind of moment in my life, and Leeds is at the centre of that. Now, having returned many times over recent years, the university has um, expanded in terms of the number of students, uh, the facilities there, the, the courses that are on offer. And I, I just remember being dazzled that first time I came back. But yet, at the same time, some of the, some of the original buildings are still on the campus. And in, and in fact, in a, in a couple of cases, at least when I came back for the first time, uh, a, a, a couple of the faculty members were still there as well. <laughs> uh, so, so lots of change, yet, yet still this brilliantly familiar kind of feel about the, the whole place. And Leeds as a city has grown as well. I, I I I was quite struck by how much the city had expanded and and how much it had changed in those years. Yes, I can imagine how both the city and the university have changed a lot since then. During your time in Leeds, were you involved with any extracurricular activities right. which might have shaped the rest of your career? Um, well, the so 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 the the funny thing the funny thing is my my ex unsurprisingly my extracurricular activity was uh, trying to get to see as many films as I could during the time and so frequent visitor at the Hyde Park Cinema the Odeon uh, in the middle of town and as it was at the time I think it was the ABC or possibly it changed to the Canon Cinema right in town and I don't think either I don't think the Odeon and the Canon are still there these days they've probably been you know replaced by much bigger things but yeah so so would would frequently try and see as many films as I possibly could and it's it's kind of funny I'm on my way to the Cannes Film Festival next week and they're going to have the premiere of Top Gun Maverick I have a very, very vivid memory of, with my now wife, then at the time girlfriend, going to see Top Gun at the Canon Cinema in Leeds. And, you know, we were very, ex- we were very excited about going to see this film. And so, so we, we paid for an upgrade to the seating. They had kind of like premium seating in the cinema. And of course, it's Friday night. It's the opening night of Top Gun. It's packed <laughs> with students. We we were the only two people who had paid for the for the for the seat upgrade, and it was kind of like wow, like it's amazing to be it's amazing to be seated in these comfy armchairs. We're gonna we're about to watch Top Gun. This is going to be great. And as soon as the lights came down, everybody in the seats nearby piled onto the, <laughs> the rest the the unoccupied armchairs for free. <laughs> 
<laughs> Haven't thought about that for years, and yet here we are now, right near the uh, Top Gun uh, sequel coming out. So, kind of, so it, it oddly, 1986 and 2022 are strangely connected in my brain. How about that? <laughs> yeah, this is very exciting setting out this target to watch as many films as possible. It's a fun but also quite tangible target. And I assume cinemas back in the day were quite different compared to what they are like now. Yeah, very much. Yeah, very, very, very much, very much so. But still, you know, for me, it's it's the actual experience of watching a film with an audience. And some of those, especially some of those student audiences can be great. The other thing that I've just remembered, actually, is one of the things that looked and flats was there used to be a video evening every Thursday night. So somebody on the social committee would go and rent a videotape how about that for, for ancient things go rent a videotape and so every every thursday evening in the tv room at lupton i would also get the opportunity to watch a film with fellow students saw some yeah saw some great some great stuff there uh, including i i remember october of 85 so not long after i started um that there was kind of like we did a Triple Bill Halloween VHS film marathon at Lupton Flats, which uh, finished with Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which was a great way to see The Shining. And it was, actually, I think it may have been the first time I ever saw The Shining. So, so seeing that kind of like midnight Halloween with a crowd is a great way to great way to see a film. Yeah, definitely, especially The Shining. This is a great explanation of where your passion came from to start IMDb. But could you please give us a quick walkthrough of how you got to where you are now? Right, okay. Well, so I guess I should set a little bit of a scene in case people do, haven't haven't heard of IMDb or, or don't use IMDb. So IMDb is the oldest, largest and most popular <laughs> entertainment site on the web. We have uh, more than 200 million people use IMDb every month. In addition to a website, we also have a set of apps. And we've just launched, just last week, launched a brand new app in the US on uh, Fire TV devices, which enables people to play kind of like interesting quick games which will then lead them to a viewing decision so you can kind of like pick a, a film or a tv show at random or you can answer some quick easy questions and figure out what mood you're in and then you can end up with a recommendation of something to watch and thanks to the beauty of technology these days you can then press the button and watch the thing no more uh, no no need to go out anywhere and rent a film or a show on dvd or, or vhs as it was back in the day imdb covers film tv uh, podcasts music videos video games we go all the way back to the earliest experiments in cinema in the 1880s through to things that haven't been released yet, you know, kind of like end of the decade, Avatar 5 <laughs> uh, kind of thing. We have 10 million titles in that range. We have information on the, the plot. We have trailers, uh, soundtracks, trivia, quotes, reviews, photos, videos, basically anything you can think of that you might want to know about a, a film or a show or a podcast or a music video. And then also the same for the people who, who actually make 
those pieces of entertainment. So 11 million names, everything that they've ever done within those various different entertainment categories. Again, photos, uh, videos, biography, everything that you could think of that you might want to know. So think of anything to do with entertainment and you can start your your journey with IMDb. So that's what that's what that's what IMDb does. <laughs> now, how we how we got here is is quite interesting and I could probably talk for hours about this. So I'll try and I'll try and keep it brief. But so I've been a lifelong film fan. Earliest memories are going to see films in cinemas in Manchester where I where I grew up. And at, at the at the same time having this interest in film, I was very fortunate in terms of when I was born and kind of like what was going on at the time, in that by the time I was 12 years old, so 1979, the home computer revolution was just getting started over here. And so for Christmas, I got my first ever computer. It was, as everything was back in those days, a build-it-yourself kit. So I had to like solder all the pieces together. It had, my computer had 256 bytes of memory, (laughs) which is, you know, you can just about get a tweet inside that. But that that gave me this other interest in life. In addition to uh, love of film, I had this interest in technology, and I taught myself to program. And things are things are you know the things are a lot simpler in those kind of days. It was it was easier to learn that kind of thing. So taught myself to program and got started from there. Now, a couple of years later, so let's see, so by nineteen by 1981, I had a larger computer at home, a whole 48K memory <laughs> device. And I actually began to design, write, and sell my own computer games. So, and again, you know, the computer games were a lot simpler than, than, they, than they are today, but that, that involved kind of like coming up with an idea for a game, writing the software to make it a reality, and then take out an ad in the, the back of various computer magazines that were around in the early 80s, um, advertise the games for sale. They were sold on cassette tapes. <laughs> so sold on cassette tapes and and that that turned out to be that that turned out to be quite successful in those early 1980s days successful enough that it kept me in all of the things that a teenager might need in terms of i guess clothes records going out <laughs> eventually driving lessons i guess but not a level where i would like go into computer gaming as a career, especially because I don't think there was really the concept of computer gaming as a career back in 1981, 82. So so I knew that I wanted to try and go to university and, and study. And I managed to get into my first choice university, which was Leeds. I had a great time there. And at the same time that I was at Leeds, so so I guess I should rewind a little bit, actually. So from, from 1981, having this interest in both film and technology, the, the other thing that happened in 1981, the home video revolution came along. So VHS tapes were available everywhere. And I started to see 
so many films that I would lose track of which ones I'd seen and which ones I hadn't seen. So I did the classic film geek thing, which is to get like a paper diary and just start to write down, you know, what what film I saw on what day, and then I then I could keep track. But I'd only been doing that for about two weeks, and and I thought, well, wait a minute, I could like create a database and store the information on there as well as you know, because the paper diary you could only have the the title of the film, whereas in the computer I could create a database that would have like the director, the writers, the producer producers, the main crew, the cast, the the date I saw it, what I thought about it, what it what what it was about, that kind of thing. So I began this database in 1981 just for my own use, just for my own use. And every time I saw anything on VHS, I would rewind the tape and I would type the credits type the credits in myself. So one of those things it's it's ridiculously geeky, but it turned out all right in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was that was kind of like going on at the same you know at the same time uh, that I was like running a a, a software a game software company in my spare time studying for my O levels then A levels and then arriving arriving at Leeds but by the time I arrived in Leeds the particular brand of computer that I was writing games for had, had kind of like become obsolete so it was kind of like full focus uh, full focus on the studies while I was there and the the other thing that happened in the summer before I started at Leeds is I got online for the first time. So kind of like the summer of 1985 on a pre-web internet. So not a lot going on out there, but there were bulletin boards that you could dial up to. And there were mailing lists that you could join and you could kind of like have, you know, not real time discussions, but discussions by email with, with with people about film. And it was great to kind of connect with people throughout the world, with people who turned out to be as big a film buff or entertainment buff as I was. So lovely, lovely kind of thing. That's, that's one of the great things about the internet is connecting people together without necessarily needing to be physically in the same place. So graduated from Leeds, moved to Bristol, started a job at HP Labs, and at the same time doing this little like hobby of like cataloging everything that I was seeing, but also started to kind of like exchange ideas with other people that were online. And in a particular film discussion group, I bumped into some like-minded people who were also collecting bits of information about film and TV shows. And one thing led to another. And in October of 1990, I put together the very first version of the IMDb software, which kind of combined various bits of information that were being posted online. One person in this group was managing a list of actress credits. I was managing a list of actor credits. Another person was managing a list of director credits. And I put the software together that allowed people to search those three types of information on their own machine, pre-web. So there's, you know, there's, there's, there's no World Wide Web at this point. You would download it onto your own computer and you would have a copy uh, of this database. And it wasn't long after we launched that somebody mailed me and said, wow, you know, like I I, I love this database uh, with actors, actresses and directors, but I'm a big writers fan. Have you thought of adding writers to it? 
And so the, the way this would work is then I say, well, yes, that's a great idea. Here are all the writer's credits from my database of films that I've seen. That'll get you started. You can post that information online. I'll give you some software to manage the contributions as they come in. And I'll add support to writers to the database. And so that that kind of went on over the next few years, <laughs> adding more and more, more and more sections. And pretty soon, you know, we ran out of things that I was covering in my database. And, you know, somebody would mail and say, hey, you know, we should have quotes in here. And it would be like, right, okay, well, you know, we'll write, I'll write the support for quotes and you can like type a few quotes in and we'll publish it on the internet and we'll see what what happens and what quotes people send to us kind of thing. So all this was going along very, very nicely. The summer of 93, I got an email from a PhD student, Cardiff University, if I'm allowed to mention another university, uh, Cardiff University, a guy called Rob Hartill. And Rob mailed and said, hey, Cole, just installed the movie database software. I think it's really good. But have you heard of this World Wide Web thing? Because it might be quite big would love to write a wrapper around the software to launch a website. What do you think? And so I replied back and said, sounds like a great idea. And, you know, Rob put a wrapper around the software and we launched a website on the spare capacity at Cardiff University in the summer of 93. And we were about, we're somewhere in the first 100-ish websites to launch Again, like no commercial use of the internet. So, no, you know, there was no advertising. It was kind of like the same group of volunteers who were managing different bits of either the content of IMDb or the software for IMDb, just kind of like working together on something for the good of the internet and to share our passion with other people out there. And so, so that, you know, we soon filled up the capacity, the spare capacity at Cardiff University, and we ended up with copies of IMDb all over the world on different university servers. And I guess the, the, what happened is the, by 1995, the web got like really popular and all of a sudden, our traffic was kind of like doubling every two weeks and our volunteer hobby was something that was kind of like really, you know, really difficult to keep on top of as a hobby. And so we were faced with this difficult decision of, well, do we say that was a fun five years, but we can't carry it on? Or do we see if we can incorporate, maybe we can sell some advertising, maybe one or two of us could work on this part time <laughs> to, to kind of keep it keep it keep it going keep it up to date. So obviously we chose the second route. We launched IMDb.com in time for the Oscars in 1996. We didn't take any external funding, so we basically bought our first web server on a credit card. Two weeks later, I sold our first piece of advertising to, to a company in the US. We were able to pay back the credit card before we owed any of the money or any of the interest <laughs> and then buy some more servers. And, and so the summer of 96, I guess we sold our first piece of advertising to a film studio. 
And so that was my cue to quit my day job. And I became our first full-time employee. And from that point onwards, as the revenue grew from the advertising, if we could afford to pay another monthly salary, I would call up one of the volunteer shareholders because we'd split the company according to how long you'd been involved and how much work you did. And so I was running a list of people who were ready to quit their job and join. So when you reach the top of the list, I give you a call, say, hand in your notice, let me know when you can start. And we would have another paid team member, and so that 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 grew like that over over the next couple of years until one day in December of ninety seven, I got an email from a guy called Alan Kaplan. At his job title was General Counsel Amazon.com. And Alan's emails went something like this. Um, hey, Carl, Jeff Bezos and I were discussing movie websites the other day. IMDb came up in the conversation. Uh, we're going to be in the UK in January and would love to meet to discuss some business ideas. So went along, met with Jeff, met with Alan. Jeff explained how Amazon was going from selling books to music to opening a video store and would be interested in working with us on the video store. Anything was possible from either a content licensing deal all the way through to an outright acquisition. The outright acquisition sounded very interesting, and so we ended up going that route. And in on April the 24th, 1998, IMDb became a wholly owned subsidiary of Amazon. Uh, they kept me on to run it. They kept everybody else on who was already employed, and they hired all of the rest of the volunteer shareholders. And so we've been working as a wholly owned subsidiary of Amazon for the last 24 years. Uh, we were their first ever acquisition. And as in addition to myself, there are a couple of other people who are still there from those from those early days. And it's been it's been kind of like a delightful journey of working with Amazon. Sometimes we work with Amazon on kind of like shared products. Um, I, I mentioned earlier an app that we have for Fire TV. And sometimes IMDb works on our own things, like our own mobile apps and our own product features kind of thing. So it's a great, like, I, I, I love the role. Yeah, thank you, Cole. This was a great introduction to how you got to where you are now. I can see where the software part is coming from. I can see where the film side is coming from and where these overlap. That's where IMDb is, isn't it? Now let's jump into another interesting question. How does a typical day in your life look like now? Right. Okay. So, so a typical day, a typical day in my life. Well, one of the one of the fun things is almost every day <laughs> is is an adventure. But I I am the CEO, so uh, responsible for the strategy of the company. So one of the one of the interesting things is we are spread throughout the world. We have offices in India, in the UK, in the US, in Costa Rica. So when I get up. There's usually been kind of like activity overnight. <laughs> it's kind of like the, the there's you know we're kind of like essentially an around the clock operation. So 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 typically I'm gonna check in and see what's going on at IMDb in terms of kind of like is there anything that needs a decision from me? Is there anything that we need to think about doing or changing our direction? That kind of thing. The next thing is once I'm kind of like okay right. 
like I'm ready to face the day. For me, it's very important that we have a good connection with our customers. So we do some online support. So I always go at the start of the day to our own online support forums, kind of like take the temperature of what's going on with customers. Are there any issues? And and then throughout the day, it's going to be kind of like a, a different thing between kind of like replying to emails that need my import or listening to feedback. I'm also responsible for the culture of the team and of the company at IMDB. So a lot of that, you know, thinking about how we engage our people, how we grow our team, what kind of environment that we operate in. And then depending on depending on kind of like the, the particular day, I, I usually my meetings, because a lot of the team are based in the US, my meetings kind of tend to start early evening. And it's, it's a really, it's a nice setup from that kind of like thinking about the day, being able to being able to kind of like get things out of the way and get things sorted and then go into more collaborative, interactive thing, usually these days via video software. I used to travel a lot more than I do now. And I always still try, I still try and watch an average of one or two films per day. I kind of tend to over-index a little bit on the weekend there. But if I if I if I don't get to see one film a day, <laughs> I start to get grumpy. So that's that's kind of like typical day but then there are adventures that involve going to film festivals uh, going to industry events or back in the day traveling to see team members in different parts of the world but typical day that's that's about as close as i can describe (laughs) yeah that's very exciting watching one or two films every day and i remember i saw an interview with you in which you said the maximum for you was 10 films in a single day. Yeah, I, 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 that was a one, that was a one off in 1990. I, I've never come close to that. My limits more, my, my, even if I'm at a film festival and kind of like my, if you like, quote unquote, my job at the film festival is to watch films. I wouldn't watch more than six and maybe four is enough at a film festival. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And still very impressive. So I have one final question for you to end on. What would you advise the current University of Leeds students before they embark on their career journey, and specifically to those who have an entrepreneurial mindset, who are willing to start their own businesses? Right, okay, yeah. This is advice that I give a lot, and, and I, I do hear other people give this advice, but I really do believe that it's true, is most of all, you need to be passionate about the thing that you do. It's that passion, especially especially in a kind of like entrepreneurial kind of context where maybe it's just you or it's just you and a small team. If you're not engaged and full of passion about the thing that you want to build or the thing that you want to do or the thing that you want to change in the world, then when things get hard, it's that passion that can see you through those hard times. So be passionate about all that you do and you can you can go a long way. <laughs> Thank you very much. This was a great piece of advice to end on. I really enjoyed the whole conversation. It was inspirational, insightful, and I'm sure all the students in the University of Leeds student community will appreciate that you shared your story with them. Thank you very much for your time and for coming. 
Have a lovely day. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening. (laughs) And that wraps up today's episode. Be sure to check back for more exciting episodes in the future and we'll see you next time.